chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. This episode was recorded live at the 2021 Women of Distinction Awards, where seven amazing women were honored for making an impact in their organization and our community. This year's theme was Be the Change You Wish to See in the World. I was thrilled to moderate a panel with three amazing world changers, Kathy Mozzarella, Bhavani Amirthalingam, and Kalia Collier. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. So good to see all of you. I think that uh, we were just talking at our table. People have just been dying to see people in person again. So it is so wonderful to see all of you here. And I know for myself, and I know that I can speak for my esteemed panelists here as well, that I'm already incredibly inspired. Aren't you ladies? Wow. I'm so inspired by these honorees. And so congratulations to each and every one of you again. And so I'm really excited to be here. So today, as Jody's already been talking about this, our theme for today is be the change that you wish to see in the world. And I know for me, when I hear those words, it bubbles up some feelings for me, and it might for you as well. You know, we cannot stand on the sidelines and complain or wish that things were different without being able to roll up our sleeves and get a part of the solution, be a part of the solution. We've already heard today, and I know this room is surrounded with men and women who have the courage, the grit, and the passion to be a part of the solution. And so it is just my incredible honor to be able to introduce to you three of these ladies here on the stage. Bhavani Mirthalingam is the Chief Digital Information Officer for Ameren. Kalia Collier was the founder of the St. Louis Surge. If you've never been to a St. Louis Surge game, I would highly recommend it. Our family had season tickets a few years ago. It's so much fun. And she is now the VP of Community Relations for St. Louis City SC. Kathy Mozzarella is the CEO for Gray Bar Electric. So please join me in welcoming the ladies. 
So Kathy, I want to start with you. Kathy, you are one of only 41 female CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And we have made a lot of progress, but we have a long way to go. What do you believe is holding women back? There's a number of issues, I think, that are holding women back. And just to put it in context, when I became CEO about 10 years ago, there were about 18 women on the Fortune 500. So we've, we've more than doubled. 10 years is a long time, but, but we've made progress. We all know that to be CEOs, you have to have some tenure and years of experience. And so when you start looking at women in leadership roles, the challenges start early. There was a McKinsey report that's published every year, and I would highly recommend it. It's with also uh, leanin.org. It's a combination study. And they talk about where the breakage is with women and leaders. And it starts at a very, very early age and very early in a career. There are external factors and there's internal factors that are causing some of these barriers to women in leadership. I actually have with myself some notes, and I would highly recommend that you get this McKinsey study, as well as a study that Pew Research did on barriers that they see for women in preventing them from advancing into leadership roles in business. The external issues, and, and this is somewhat disappointing because quite honestly, they're the same issues that I faced almost 42 years ago. Yes, I've been in my company almost 42 years, a long time. <laughs> and you but you're only 29. I'm only 29, <laughs> so it's really hard to do. <laughs> but when you look at some of the issues, they're the same issues that we faced back then, including the perceptions women have to work twice as hard, that women are still bearing the brunt of the personal responsibilities, raising families, taking care of their households and such, that there's still you know, discrimination issues that are out there in the workplace. So the issues are the same things that we've been dealing with forever. And what ends up happening is what the McKinsey report showed was that it's starting at the first level of management, folks, first level of leadership with women. The study shows that last year, that for every 100 men that took that first step of leadership into the entry-level management role, there are 86 women. So is there a breakage in what they call that broken rung is that first rung? And when you go up the rungs of leadership, it seems that breakage is even greater. The biggest challenge, I think, is internal, though. And you heard the ladies speak about that on the video. I was really pleased to hear what they said. Because if you do not believe in yourself, you will never advance into leadership roles, regardless. And the belief in yourself starts very, very early. And I would argue it starts in childhood. All of us here had very powerful people in our lives, and we saw it on the video, right? These women that were talking about the influences in their life, and they talked about their parents. They talked about how their confidence started at an early age. Women set ceilings for themselves that are too low. And studies have shown over and over again that young girls set their limitations and aspirations too low from a very early age. By the age of 15, girls are already setting limits on what they can accomplish. And it's predominantly strong in the science and math world. And so I would argue that we need to do a better job starting with our own children and the children in our community to help young girls dream big and to understand that the only barriers that they have in life are those that are self-imposed or those that are imposed from others on you that you accept and you wear. I have a brand new granddaughter, I was just telling him, as of Wednesday. And this is... And I'll tell you this. Yes, I am going to be a terrible grandmother. I'm just going to tell you all right now. <laughs> and let me tell you why, and then I'll pass this on. So my daughter delivers, and I got to be there, which is like an amazing experience for a grandparent, right? I get the baby, and I'm talking to her. Liliana's her name. 
And I said to her, you know, I love you, you're beautiful, and you're going to be the president of the United States. <laughs> And my son-in-law says, oh, no, she's going to be a rocket scientist and an astronaut. I said, okay, Liliana, you can get a PhD in rocket science, you can be an astronaut, and then you can conquer some kind of, you know, intergalactic thing, and then you can be president of the United States. <laughs> so let's focus on starting it young with our girls, you know, I mean, with all our children, but let's focus on these girls and help our young girls dream big. That's great advice, Kathy. So, Bhavani, I'm going to come to you now. Bhavani is the Chief Digital Information Officer for Amron. You hold the top spot for technology at Amron. And we know, the studies show, that in the workforce, 25% of the workforce in technology are females. I actually did, I at our National Recruiting Center pulled some data, and they looked at several months, and it varies. Our applicant pool for females is anywhere from 13 to 17%. Now, to get to the top spot, it's going to be less than 10%. So, Bhavani, you know, why such a low percentage? And more importantly, what can we do about it? Great question, Lisa. First, it's really hard to follow Kathy. So, next, <laughs> next time you have me on a panel with her, don't have me follow her. <laughs> oh, she did just a fantastic job. You know, I mean, a lot of things that uh, Kathy touched on, you know, resonated so well for me. You know, I think... Uh, in terms of the challenges, you know, I want to kind of go back a, a few years ago. I had this opportunity, you know, Microsoft does something called DigiGirls. I don't know if any of you here had exposure to it, but, you know, they actually bring female leaders across different walks of life from a STEM perspective. And uh, they do these in all the big cities. They actually did it in St. Louis. It was a fantastic opportunity, you know, to go, you spend a half a day with these girls. These are high school girls They're from across the city. And... It was an amazing experience, right? And uh, they, you know, you kind of have people speak and all of it, and then they put you in these small tables with just you know a, a small group, of, so that they feel comfortable and you're just doing, you're just interacting with them. And I'll never forget because you know I have a daughter who's now 13, and obviously you know she was like five, six at that point of time, and uh, it just stuck in my head when I left that day. And they were very curious to find out like what was your journey like, you know, why did you go into this and. And I had this one girl who's, you know, absolutely quiet. I have this tendency to look out for the quiet one, you know. And so we all have our, and so I was like, you know, you know you've been really quiet. So the, her first question was, she said, you know, did you have a problem with boys in high school because you were really good at math or because you wanted to go do this? I mean, you know, it sounds so basic, but you just go back to, like, the type of, things that they, you know, are thinking about. And my response to her was, you know, I've been a geek since I can think <laughs> as far back as I can go, and I love it, and I would do nothing else about it. I mean, they all laughed, and you know, this, you could see her just kind of open up after that, and we had a great conversation. I hope I helped influence her that day, and I think it's just the things that you know, in terms of your reasons, I think that many, and Kathy highlighted in a very, you know, fantastic manner, I think starting really young is extremely important, you know, and uh, in my case, you know, my dad has been an, an absolute instrumental, you know, part of my life, and, uh, 
you know, he had, you know, we talk about making sure you give the same kind of think about your boys like you think about your girls. Well, I had kind of the other extreme. I think my dad just paid way too much attention to me. Because, you know, part of it is he had lost his sister just a few days before I was born and to spousal abuse. So it was always in his head to make sure that, you know, you're independent, you're strong. And I remember, like, I was only six years old. He's like, you know, the only man I ever want you to be dependent on in your life is me. <laughs> Like, you know, but, uh, you know, I think it's, <laughs> it, you know, you know now, 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 now as an adult, obviously I can really relate to it. But I think the point that I was trying to make is, you know, it's very young when he, and you know, the one, one subject you always zeroed in on was math. You know, how are you, what, are you, what are you doing with math? What are your math scores? And, and I don't know, I love math. I've, you know, kind of gravitated towards computers showed up at school. I think it was like 12 years old, actually. And, it was a hobby. I used to go on weekends to go. She went on Saturdays. She volunteered <laughs> to go on Saturdays just so she could be around the computer. You know, I mean, it was really just a fun thing. And who thought I'd actually end up, you know, and then when I was going to make choices at college, you know, he said, really, you know, this is great for a hobby. Like, you're good with your math. You should go into economics, finance. He's like, you know. And I was like, Dad, remember what you told me when I was like, yeah, you know, he told me, like, never let anyone tell you you can't do something you really believe in. And, you know, it's always stuck with me as well. So I think one, start really young. And then two, all the metrics that Kathy just walked through, you know, I've been at Ameren, I've been at Schneider, I've been at Worldwide. I can tell you that some of the practical challenges you see is having women rise into leadership roles. And then as you go up, it just keeps going. It's fewer and fewer and fewer. And a program that I loved and I'm a huge proponent of, you know, is uh, something that Schneider engaged in heavily, it's called he for she. And a lot of times you think you have to have all the women, you know, go in and help other women. And it's reality is you need the men and the women to help raise the bar and support. And so the whole purpose of he for she was really how do you get the men in the organization really. And so I think the roles that we can all do is look at that, you know, COVID's made the situation worse. That's just the reality in terms of you have more women, you know, kind of in that when you're going between early to mid-career, which is when, you know, personally also you're, you've got a lot going on, so you're trying to figure out how do I handle all of these personal responsibilities, but also just manage. So I think, you know, whether it's in the tech world or not, I do think that's a challenge you see common and looking out for folks that you can actually help free up that energy for them, right? And give them that flexibility because they're gonna go do so much more, you know, for you and for the organization. So I think those are probably a few things. That's great, great. Well, Kalia, you were 23 years old <laughs> and you decided to found the St. Louis Surge Professional Women's Basketball and now you've gone on to uh, be the VP of Community Relations for uh, St. Louis City SE. What in the world gave you the courage at the age of 23 to think you could start a professional basketball? <laughs> league. You know, we, we've talked about it, and I think the honorees are talking about, you know, having that greatness instilled in you early, and I absolutely credit my parents. My friends kid all the time that there's no bigger fan uh, than me of myself, and I, I know that, that sounds pretty cheesy, uh, but I lack no confidence. I, I can tell you guys that. <laughs> uh, in the most humble way, without sounding like... <laughs> 
but it really is. It, it's starting at an early age. I, I really credit my parents for exposing me to everything under the sun. I've been a BMX bike racer. I've played soccer. I have done just about everything to be able to, to really be able to define my own purpose and passion. So I think taking this crazy leap of faith to buy a basketball team and build a women's professional franchise that, quite frankly, I probably had a thousand people within the same week told me, what was I doing? This is a baseball city. Women's sports is an incredibly tough sell. And uh, I always said it depends on who's selling it. And so when you position something and you create value, and the first thing we did was we set our mission, our vision, our values. And having just an entrepreneurial spirit, but creating something that was never about just making money, but bringing community together and doing it in a way to where we've truly been redefining winning every step of the way, also while building a couple of championships added to the belt. So it's been a journey. I'm so glad you brought that up because I know that it's not about basketball and soccer for you. There's a bigger why, and it's always been about building community. It's about mentoring young girls, and you've got a lot in there, so I'm so glad you brought that up. But, you know, there's an ancient proverb that says, without vision, the people will perish. And so we know that any feat, any accomplishment, anything these women have done, they've had a vision. And so each of you have had a vision for your life. Kathy has a vision for Liliana already. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> President, what, what year would that be? I'm not sure. But, you know, you've got, a, you've got vision for your life. You've got vision for your organization. But I have to ask you, ladies, what is your vision? And this is a loaded question, but for our city, our country, our world, and most importantly, the people in it. And I'd love for each of you just to speak into that, if you would. Yeah, that's a really big question. And again, now that I have a granddaughter, it takes a whole different meaning, as you can imagine. What I envision is a world where she is not judged for her race, her gender, her beliefs, her interests. A world which accepts her for who she is and what she wants to be, treats her with respect and treats each other with respect. And a world that values that every single one of us have gifts. But our goals in life really need to be that we unleash the power of the gifts that each one of us has, because it's unique. My dad raised us where he said, look it, the only failure in life is if you don't help others. And the more that you have, the more you should give back. And he said, if you live your life properly, what you're gonna find is you will never be able to unleash and develop all your gifts because human beings have unlimited capacity to do more, to learn more, to give more, and to help lift each other up. And so my vision for the world is a sense of community where we all respect each other for who we are as human beings, and we focus on lifting everybody up so they have an opportunity to have a better life and a life to live the way they choose to live their life and to be able to celebrate their successes the way they define success in life, not how we as other people try to impose it. That's my hope. Thank you. Thank you. Talia, how about you? you know, the power of sport has always been an incredible tool of bringing people together, unifying cities. And it's interesting to see when it's actually used for good. So that was one of the, when people were like, well, why make the, the jump from basketball to soccer? And it was like, St. Louis is now on an international stage. We have a, an opportunity to really create where downtown West will, for our city, be United Nations in a way to where we're actually reaching communities and bringing them together. So when you think about building teams, you don't put... 11, 12 point guards on a roster. You don't put a bunch of goalkeepers on a roster. You build a team. 
and our team is our community. So if you're not playing your role, you have to get in the game. You talk about no time to sit on the sidelines. I mean, hell, if this past year and a half, two years hasn't literally changed you in a way to where it's made you want to look inside and do more and do more for other people. And when I think about the vision of what we have, I don't want to just be a city of potential. And when we talk about the obstacles and the challenges that we have, we have such a tremendous opportunity to truly all be a part of the game. And so I want people to not just be able to look out and say, you know what, well, they could, they should. What about me? What can I do to actually play my role in? And how can we do that as a collective, as a team? And that is incredibly unifying. So I will always believe in the power of sport of how it is a part of the equation to help us get where we're going. And I think as a city, we have an incredible trajectory right now. So if you're not a part of that positive energy wave, then you need to figure out what you're doing with yourself. <laughs> Bhavani? Education is near and dear to heart for me. You know, my, uh, my dad grew up very poor and uh, walked three miles to school every day and, you know, put himself through engineering school. The, you know, was the first person to even get through high school in his family and uh, did incredibly well. You know, has just been an amazing source of inspiration. But I just think about everything that we, you know, see in the world today. And at Airman, we talk about access to energy, you know, to all. And, you know, to me, a world will be a much better place when there's access to education to everyone. You know, I, I do believe it is the best equalizer there is. And so in terms of this, the vision and, and where we can be, every opportunity that we all can have to provide folks the opportunity to get the very best access to education that they may not have today, I think is, is just going to help us be a better better world, we're going to be more informed, we're going to learn to live better together. Yeah, and I mean, as I'm listening to each of you talk, all of these things, these visions, it's the possibility of what could be, right? And so it requires change. And sometimes, Kathy, you're talking about kindness and treating people with respect. Sometimes the change needs to happen within us. And, you know, if we will do that, the way we behave, the way we interact, the way we show up, the world will follow us. So our theme today is be the change that you wish to see. So when you think of that, what does that mean for you personally? And Kalia, I love what you're saying. Everybody needs to get in the game. We can all be a part of that change, but it may require some change on our part. It may require us getting into the uncomfortable zone, if you will. When you think about be the change, what does that mean for each of you personally? Well, I need to change a lot about myself. I'm just going to be very honest about it. I'm a work <laughs> in progress forever. Um, <laughs> but really being the change to me is to be able to use my position. I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to be in this role for such an amazing organization. I mean, graybar has been around, we're in our 152nd year. So you think about it, we've been around a very, very long time. and. The fact that I need to continue to focus on what I can do to help others through my position, through my networks, through my opportunities. You've inspired me with ladies with a couple things you've said today. The videos were inspiring me and I keep thinking I need to be a better person. Because to me, <laughs> to me being a change, it means that I help improve somebody's life. When I was a child, somebody asked me, what's your goal? And, and of course I said, I want to be president of the world or something. And, and then I was asked that question recently by somebody, and I said, well, I want to be relevant. I want to be, when I'm no longer here, that somebody will remember me 
for helping them have a better life. And if I can help one person have a better life, then hopefully they can pass that on and help somebody else have a better life. So for me to be an agent of change is to try to use my influence and power to help as many people as I can improve their life, their quality of life, and help them be better people so that they can share that on a broader basis. Oh, that's spot on, yeah. I've always lived my life by the golden rule. And my mantra, as Lisa gave me probably one of the, the best gifts ever, is if better is possible, good is not enough. And so this degree of never being complacent. And so a part of that being a part of change and being a part of the positive good in our community is walking the walk. And so, you know, everybody, especially now, want, wants to look good. But, you know, why don't you actually do good? And that's something that I pride myself on, of making it a priority to do a, a little bit of good every single day. Because that's that impact that I think at the, at the end of this, you know, we've navigated a racial and a global pandemic to where silence is no longer an option. And I know how I stand on the shoulders of giants and how we all do and how important it is to see what's possible. And so challenging that status quo, uh, you got me. Um, because it, it's time, you know, we, we've been talking about the inequities in our community for far too long. And that's why it's a necessity to walk the walk. Okay. <laughs> now for me, I, you know, I challenge everyone. If you think you don't, you really do. I think there are opportunities every day that we have in the roles we play, whether it's as a mother, as a father, as, you know, in your business, there's opportunities that come at you every day. It's just being really deliberate and thoughtful about those. And so for me, that's what I try to do every day. And that's what I, you know, my com biggest commitment is, what can I be doing, you know, with someone who, who could be taking, how do you help others push their, there were, I've had so many wonderful people influence my life that has helped me get better and helped me continue to get better. And so I think really being able to help push folks from their comfort zones, I think really being that is, you know, I think you have opportunities every single day to do that. So for me, that is my biggest commitment to how you can drive change. You know, every big change comes over a period of time. And yeah, so incremental change. And I love the word that you just said, and it's a commitment. And I think I'm gonna sum this up with saying, you know, as we're talking about this and you talk about changing the world and changing our country and changing our city, it sounds monumentous, right? But here's the thing, every one of us, I was thinking about it this morning, I'm thinking that if every one of us would make a commitment to changing our corner of the world, the world will change. What does that look like for you? It could be pushing back on bias and in hiring. You know, it could be giving more respect, you know, kindness over differences. I mean, but we've all got the opportunity one of my favorite quotes is by Marion Edelman. I love this quote, and it's like, you can't be what you can't see. And every one of us in here can be a change agent. Every one of us can be a role model, figure out what it is, and just choose one thing to go and, and do and to make a commitment to. So, ladies, this has been so much fun. I could sit up here for five hours with all of you, but we're not gonna do that to you guys, but thank you so much. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.